is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. So excited for today's episode. I chat with my friend Patty Flynn. Patty is a plant based queer and trans endurance athlete, and she just goes by Patty too. We chat about the four different lives she's lived as a runner and how listening to her body ultimately kept her alive. This is a really important episode about being visible as yourself. We don't know what's going on in other people's lives besides the highlight reels we see on social media, and there's a lot more happening that cannot be explained in a pretty little box on Instagram. Just remember that sharing your real story, your imperfect life, can help keep others alive as well. I am so excited for you to meet my friend Patty. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Patty, and this is my first in-person podcast. Patty, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yay, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, so a little background, how I met Patty. So a few months ago, when we first moved back to Chicago, I was really lonely working from home, and I was like, I need to be around people. And so I joined a co-working spot, second shift here in Chicago, and I met Patty. It was like a, I don't know, it was like a round circle or something. You're like going around and saying your names. Yeah, we we have those here. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. still do. Yeah, <laughs> even though I'm not here anymore. And then literally, I think it was like two or three days later it was the Chicago Marathon, and I went to go watch friends. And so I have some friends that I know from the podcast or from Facebook, random people that I've never met in person. And I went to go watch them, and I randomly see. Well, I knew you were running the marathon, but I saw you at like mile, I don't know, 17 or something. I have no idea. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, Patty. I don't think you knew who I was. I did know who you were, <laughs> but I was um, like at mile 13. It was 13, I, okay. I, Well, no. Oh, yeah. At mile 13 for me, um, or 12 or 13, I started to get hurt. Okay. And so like I was on pace. I, my goal was for a four and a half hour marathon, which was to me, I was training for a five hour marathon. Um, and um, and as I got closer to the event, I was like, I think I'm running fast enough. I'm like, I think I might be able to go four and a half hours. And I had a coach at that time and, um, he was wonderful and said, yeah, you, you can do this. And, um, so at mile 13, I started feeling something like between my knee and my hip, which indicates an IT band issue. And I still have a little bit of it. Um, but I can run up to about a half marathon comfortably. Yeah. Um, well, maybe no, I haven't really run <laughs> since the, the Chicago marathon that much. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I was in, in this like fog of where is the next aid station that I can apply some biofreeze to my leg? Because it was basically going from like mid calf to my hip. And so at first I didn't know who you were. And then I knew who you were. I was like, Oh my God, I was so excited to see somebody cause I hadn't seen one of my fans mm -hmm. all day. So, um, it was really nice. I really, I really appreciated that connection. And it kept me going for a little bit until yeah. I got back into that fog. Anyone that's run a marathon knows like that, like you're in, you're just like, oh my gosh, when is this going to end? And it really is like two seconds of seeing a person. You're just like, oh, humans. Yeah. And, and it's kind of weird too. The, the course, I was really looking forward to the second half of the marathon going across um, more of the South and, and West sides. Um, uh, and I, cause I had, there were areas I wasn't familiar with and I really wanted to kind of take in the scenery. I knew I wasn't running super fast like I had in the past. Um, and so, um, to be able to take that all in, I was really excited for it. And then I started to get hurt and I'm like, damn, 
I'm going to go into this area and I'm just really going to be concentrating on the next porta potty, the next biofreeze station. And that was my life for that rest of that marathon. Um, I still have some glimpses of like Taylor Street and, and um, I think we went through UIC. Like I, I've, I've driven around in that area now, now that I work down in Bronzeville. And I actually, I was walking at one point and it was up Michigan Ave and um, the offices for Chicago Reader are right there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, that's my new office. So that was pretty cool. But, yeah. um, and I had just taken that job at that time. So it was, uh, it was, it was a disappointment. I didn't sign up for this next year, but who knows what the future brings. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the Chicago Marathon I think is really cool because it goes through so many different neighborhoods and you, you start downtown, head up North, head down South and end back in downtown. And it's like, you just see the whole city. And then when you drive there, you're like, Oh my gosh, I ran to this place. Like this is so fun. Yeah, but we're jumping ahead. So let's, we're actually going to take a few steps back and talk a little bit more about running, like when you started running. So we have uh, most of the listeners are probably people that started fairly recently. Um, maybe are training for like their first 5k or a half marathon, maybe a full marathon, but take us back to like when you really started with running. Well, I, I, I've had a couple running lives. Um, you know, there was a time in my life before really doing any, well, the first time was um, in ninth grade. I mean, other than just like running around as a kid, right? I wasn't one of those child prodigy runners that goes out and does 5Ks and 10Ks before, you know, my family is not a running family at all. You weren't um, doing 5Ks on Thanksgiving? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. No. I didn't even know they existed. And um, uh, I went to a junior high, which was a... Uh, uh, seven, eight, and nine in our high school in the town that I um, went to high school in, in Southern California was nine, uh, 10, 11, and 12. So normally like freshman sports in a high school are, you're still with the rest of the high school. So they kind of mimic the rest of the sports. Well, this, they only had a couple of sports because it was um, a small school. And um, so I tried to make basketball. I didn't make basketball um, in the winter. And then in the summer or in the spring, there was um, track. And so I went out and did track because the other one was baseball and I don't play baseball. <laughs> so, um, and so that was, that was really my first introduction to running. And I, I liked it. I mean, it was a beanpole as a kid. So, um, and it was kind of easy to me. And it was fun and I was with friends. There were other friends who were doing it. So it was, it was a fun activity. It wasn't great. I ran the 880 and I wasn't fast. It wasn't slow. I just was in the middle and I had fun. And um, I, th- I think that kind of laid the groundwork a little bit for like, you know, being mildly competitive, but also making sure that like it was a fun time to be, to be had. And then as I grew up and had kids and life intervened and, you know, I ran the occasional 5k. Um, and I used to joke that my training for the 5k was running the 5k. And by running, I mean, like I would run and I would walk and I would, there was one time that I ran and uh, actually it was after ACL replacement surgery on my right knee. I, my goal was that happened in May and my goal was to run a 5k. Like that was my big goal. Um, my physical therapists were, you know, helping me do this and trying to come back from this ACL replacement. And, um, and I did, I ran like the first mile and a quarter straight and then, mm-hmm. I, and then I had to stop and go back and forth. But 
it was really, it was one of those milestone events for me. And then I was like, well, that was fun. And then I kind of parked it and ran another 5k the next year. Um, and then that's when I really started to, to take off after, um, it was about six years, six or seven years ago when I decided that, Hey, I'm actually, I think I'm okay at doing this, you know, like, and, and I really think that just about everybody without um, physical, if somebody has like a, a real physical issue, just about anybody can be a runner. Yeah. Um, you don't have to run fast. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to run that first mile and it totally, you can do it how you need to approach it. And um, so I don't know how far you want me to get into yeah. like my beginning of my running, but that really is the start of it. Those are like my first two running lives. I'm on life four now. <laughs> so like life three though was the, the big one. So yeah, I like this theme though that you talked about that it has to be fun, that running has to be fun. And I think that that is definitely like how we as kids approach movement exercise. Like it's fun. If you don't, if you're not having fun playing baseball, like you're not going to be on the baseball team, but like you right. gravitate towards the thing that's fun. And I think that's a, so important for adults to hear because we, a lot of times approach exercise or movement as a chore, something we do to our bodies. And it's not this like fun thing and then we give up on it if it's not yeah. fun. So yeah, I love that I, theme of fun. I mean, I think <laughs> that that is important. I mean, it, it if you're serious, quote unquote serious about something, you can still be serious yeah. and still have fun. Yeah. Um and I think that's how I approached like when my kids did sport um was that if it wasn't fun for them, you know, if they signed up to be on a team, they had an obligation to, to yeah. kind of carry that term out, um, mm -hmm. even if it wasn't fun. Um, but I allowed them to explore different sports and different things and have fun for the most part. I mean, I, I was hard just, work is in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I was just like any other parent at some point too, that I did. I, I probably wasn't as good, probably most in particular with my oldest and that I, I don't know what happens to parents sometimes um, when they try to live a little too vicariously through their children in sport. Um, and I probably was guilty of some of that. And but at a certain point, I was like, "Wait a minute, this, yeah. is, this isn't right." And you know, like I was the kind of parent that, and and so was my ex, that we once our kids got to about age eleven or twelve. Um, they were in charge of their sports. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was, it was a, it was an issue of like, they had that agency over themselves at that point to be able to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Or I don't feel good. Or I need to talk to the, you know, like, can you talk to the coach? I'm <laughs> yeah. like, no, you, you talk to the coach. Yeah. So, which, I mean, I think at some level coaches like that because they don't want a parent in their ear, yeah. but, but that helps it, you know, that, that allows them to have the fun that they need to have, instead of having an apparent telling them what to do. And so like, I have to look at that in my own lens too. I'm like, I have to have fun. I have to make sure to manage my own yeah. enjoyment of my pastime. And so running for me was always fun because it wasn't something I really took super seriously until I did. <laughs> yeah. So I like that theme of fun and that's, yeah, that responsibility and that like, I think that too, like we are the decision makers in our life and kind of like 
giving, gradually giving your kids that responsibility for themselves to see. I like that a lot. Yeah. So that was life one and life two. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about life three. So, um, life three started, you know, midlife crisis kind of post 40, um, after my knee injury. Um, I had always wanted to do a triathlon. Um, I, as a kid, watched wild, wide, wide world of sports. How's that impossible? I don't know. <laughs> um, and that was the one that they used to show the beginning of the show was the skier kind of going off the side of the, you know, it's like all these pratfalls and, and mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, and then they showed the Ironman on that every year. They had coverage of the Ironman. And, um, well, for the first couple of years. And uh, I was like, wow, this is amazing. These people doing this are amazing. Um, and I was like, I wonder if I could do that. And then it just like, I was eight, nine, 10 years old, something like that. I just parked it away, but it was always in there. And at one point after my initial 5k that I said, after coming off my ACL, I was like, I'm going to do this triathlon. And then I didn't sign up. And then the day of the thing is like, I probably shouldn't go to this because I haven't trained for this at all. And this is a little different than going to do a 5K. I'm like, I don't know if I even have a bike right now. Oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> the logistics. So I didn't do it that year. Okay. And and I actually did go back and do that. It was a little tiny, like a reverse triathlon in the um, at the college, <laughs> one town over from where I lived in California. Um, and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I enlisted the help of a friend who helped me out. He would drive over to my condo and even if I was running like I think I had my first runs were like a mile and a half mm -hmm. two miles I would pack down a uh, belt with water bottles I mean I look back at that now and I'm like I don't I mean I, I do now a little bit more but like I wouldn't take as I got into the heated I wouldn't take a water bottle on a six mile run and mm -hmm. here I was on two mile runs, having two water bottles and food and like oh yeah like I, totally, I need all of this food to totally, eat. Totally yeah, yeah. it out right yeah for <laughs> Yeah. And, and, um, but I, it was really the kindness of this friend of mine that kind of inspired me, you know, like he helped me get to a certain point, um, with my training that I wouldn't have been able to get to had I not had someone else to be kind of my, my training buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, uh, he and I did a lot of training together. Um, we ran in like some similar groups. Um, one of my, favorite groups that I eventually got into is a Friday run group. Um, it's the Friday fun run and it's like no pressure. It's just a bunch of people that get together every Friday at this woman's house. And after we're done running, we have oatmeal and coffee and we have a group text that I'm still part of. And I mean, it's like, it's a little community. And, and that's, I think I found a lot of little, like little community groups of, of friends and people that I still to this day, I'm close friends with. And, um, so like, as I start out in this process, I'm like, I'm having fun. And I just start layering things on top, top of it. I'm like, well, I did a triathlon and did a little tiny one. And it was kind of funny too, when I decided I was going to do that. Um, I was not in any condition to do a 5k. Uh, well, I was, I was in, I was in enough condition to do any of that stuff, but I just wasn't ready. I don't think mentally mm -hmm. for it. And so I went on the internet. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a 5K today. It's a Monday. I'm at work, of course. You know, 
Too, right? <laughs> Whoops. Sorry, boss. And, uh, um, well, uh, Just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, that's a whole different podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm looking around. I'm like, I find a fi- I find a sprint triathlon that's on the Pacific Ocean, right? like swimming in the Pacific Ocean, which I didn't really realize was as big a deal as it is. And and it was right over by LAX beautiful area right on the you know right on the beach run is on the beach and um and i look at it i go i think that's the one but i don't know like let me see if i can find a training plan and i found um i don't remember what website it was but it was like a women's training program for triathlon for a sprint triathlon i'm like oh this looks good and so i look through it and i it's like 16 weeks and the date that I was looking at, it was Monday and I plotted out the weeks, the 16 weeks mm-hmm. and it landed smack dab right on that triathlon. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. oh, this is perfect. This, this is meant to be, I signed up immediately. And then I looked at the training plan. I'm like, Monday was a day off. So I was like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I get to start my training with the off day. Um, and it was kind of cool that actually that training plan, my, my Mondays are usually spent being an off day. Um, I mean, like I have a lot more off days right now, but like always, no matter how hard my training got, I always maintained that Monday as an off day. Even if I just did yoga, it was still, that's really an off day. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that's how I started to get into it. But like before I started doing that, I, and it's not really the reason I started doing this, um, but I, I, mean, I drank a lot. Um, I don't think, I'm sure some people who, or some people would say, oh, you're an alcoholic. And, you know, I don't know if I was, I, but for me, it was, as it turns out, something to help keep things at bay. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and, and in a way, and, and you see this a lot in like ultra running and, and where people have an addiction and they addiction to drugs or to alcohol and they trade that in for an addiction to running, yes. which is a far healthier yes. addiction, but it's still an addiction. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess if I step back or as I have stepped back and looked at it a little bit, I mean, it, in a way it is, it, it was trading one form of repression or suppression. I don't know which is the right word for another form. Um, and, uh, and that was good because I, it rekindled, I mean, it was, it was good to rekindle a love for that physical activity and it helped me do a lot of things. Um, but it still was something that was covering something up. So life three was really a mask in a way, um, to try to, uh, take on this persona of someone who is physically active and um, triathlete and a marathoner and eventually an ultra marathoner. Um, but really it was a way to keep that, that issue at bay. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I'm so glad you said that because I, I think that that's true. And, you know, I talk a lot about food and the way we eat. And I think that that's true that you'll see a lot of people that will trade an addiction to drugs or alcohol and they'll do keto because it's super hardcore and it's extreme or they'll do whole 30 or paleo or the same thing. They'll get super involved. And I know that that was definitely 
how I used food or how I used running at different times in my life. Um, I also, I'm so glad that you brought it up because it, it helps destigmatize that we all have these stressors in life and we use something to kind of numb it. And it, the hard thing is that sometimes someone that is running, you're like, Oh look, they're so healthy. Like they're so happy. Yeah. Everything's great. Or like for me, like, Oh look, she's eating vegetables. Like everything's so great about her. But it's like, cool. Well, I'm like using that to like, so you don't see everything else that's out of control in my life that I don't know how to yeah. figure out. Like, I'll just pour all of my energy into trying to get skinny and like not deal with all the other things that are happening in my head. Yeah. And at the same time, I, um, I actually had, um, well, not at the same time I started training in sometime in July, I think. And then, um, around September and I don't remember when it started, what, you know, like some people remember the date that they, they do this, but I started eating a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's maybe why I don't remember the date is because it was, it was, I wasn't vegan and I really am not vegan. Um, I try to make very much vegan choices, um, but I'm not, uh, I've talked about this, that I'm, I give myself permission to not make, good, not make good choices, right? I, I say, you know, like I, I'm allowed to eat whatever I want to eat. Yeah. I just like, for the most part, I choose not to eat anything that's animal-based. Sure. Um, and, uh, um, so like, I know that there's a lot of, that there's a lot of people who are vegan and very staunchly vegan and, and ethical. And I understand that. And, you know, I, I agree with a lot of it, but, um, uh, I, I know myself and I know that, um, if I was to set up those like super hard boundaries that it would cause me to go really, really good and strong at it for a long time or for a while. And then totally below it yeah right? and I don't want to give myself that opportunity to be a failure which is how I approach the running stuff too is that you know I would I would set goals and I but I would go to a plan and that plan would get me to that goal and it was something about like myself and what I was doing got me there too but um I took a certain amount of um discipline I totally lost my thought yeah. <laughs> um, we're talking about life three, uh, using yes. running instead of alcohol. Um, not, let's see. Oh, I haven't. <laughs> Plant-based. Yeah. So, so like that, that, um, I'm still, I'm still plant-based. Yeah. Um, I say vegan a lot, um, just because it's easier for people to understand, sure. um, when I'm at a restaurant, um, but like I, I do the vegan things, like the one of the big vegan things is to check the menu ahead of time, which I think everybody really should do. It's like, if you're going to go somewhere, look at the menu and see, is this stuff I really want to eat? Exactly. Yeah. Um, is there something that I'm really going to want to spend my money on and, you know, potentially um, uh, give, give myself the opportunity to make the bad choices at the right time for mm -hmm. the right thing. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's one of those kind of running vegan plant-based <laughs> jokes. Um, yeah. So, you know, like, and I'm, I'm wearing vegan shoes today. Mm -hmm. I have a vegan bag, mm -hmm. I, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to do what I can do to, to make the right choices as much as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. But knowing that if I give myself that, that space that I'm going to make the right choice mm -hmm. by allowing myself to do that instead of forcing myself to mm -hmm. do it. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. 
And, it, and honestly, I, I have watched your stuff and I have tried to incorporate some of that, allowing myself to have something that's like a like that cookie that yeah. I was eating for breakfast. Um, to have something that is a little bit more fun in my diet, along with having, yeah. you know, good protein and, the good, mm-hmm. and, and vegetables and those kind of things. So, you know, yeah, it, it, it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. It works. And it, and it helps you not be so um, caged in by having to, knowing that you have to eat this thing. Like I, I can't do any of those diets mm-hmm. because they're just so, it, it just, it's not fun. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's not fun. It's not yeah. fun. It's not fun. And it's not, I don't think they're particularly good for you if it, it, it borders you into the area where you end up with orthorexia. And that's, you know, that's an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't, I don't need, I don't need more <laughs> yeah, stuff in my life to deal with. And that's the thing. And it's like, okay, cool. I always say like, we're doing this thing to be healthy and to be quote good. And then it like, spirals out of control and if I would to look at like running for myself as well like okay cool I was doing this to be healthy and then sometimes you're just like whoa where did that go like that just went overboard yeah and that and I started to get there with the running Mm -hmm. um and you know it was more than just running I was doing triathlons um I some guys in my training group um were deciding that they were going to try to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Okay. And um, I didn't, I don't think I even had a coach at this point. Um, I had run my first marathon, which was LA, which funny. So I did my first triathlon in October, which is a sprint triathlon. As I'm training leading up for this, I'm like, I already could do this now, like halfway through because the training program was, was way too big for, um, a sprint triathlon. A sprint triathlon is, generally speaking, and there's some variation, um, a between 500 and 750 meter swim, um, a 12 mile bike ride, and a 5K. To me, those were insurmountable, massive. That was a massive, massive thing, um, and it is. It's a it's a big deal. You 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 can't just train for one discipline. You're training for all three of these things. Um, and um, when I started this, you know, thanks to years of not taking care of myself and not running and not eating the right thing. And I mean, I was, I, I was, if there's an opposite of a vegan, I was that. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like my body was in not in great shape yeah. and I actually had a test cholesterol test and it was, it was elevated. So like, some there was like a lot of little motivations to get me to switch this um and um one of which was a friend of mine that had done a couple bike rides with me and we're like that's how we got into starting this um and so i did that in december i did a olympic distance triathlon out in um, palm springs um in a lake in Palm Springs that you would think, oh, it's Palm Springs. It's going to be a nice warm. The lake, I think, was 55 degrees. It was like swimming in ice cubes. <laughs> um, and then while doing that, I had signed up for a half marathon in February on Super Bowl Sunday, the Beach Cities half marathon. Um, I it was injured. I Like, I got hurt running it. I got hurt training for it, and then I hurt it, a calf again running it. And I still, like, dragged my leg along and finished. 
which is probably a bad idea. And then in March, I ran the LA Marathon. So like I went from couch, not only like couch, but like drunk on a couch (laughs) in July to by that next March, making my way through a marathon. And I did it with uh, interval training. Mm -hmm. So like I ran that entire marathon running, I think I was up to 10 minutes running and one minute walking. Mm, I'm so glad you said that. yeah. Yeah. And so, and that, and, and I'll get into this a little bit more if time permits on, on the way through the mm-hmm. rest of this craziness that I've done. Um, not crazy, but crazy. Um, but it was good because I was, I was, when you have a calf injury, it's, it could go anytime. Like, so I would, when I was recovering, it was like 30 seconds of running, 30 seconds of walking. And up, I got to the point where I was able to do a 10 and one. Um, and I finished that marathon and I was, crying as I'm coming down the, the last stretch, right, you know, and it's really cool. You start at Dodger Stadium and you end up running right along the ocean. Um, and uh, kind of like the Chicago Marathon, mm-hmm. you run through all these neighborhoods and all these um, areas of LA. Um, and then, so basically a year later, I'm signed up for another marathon. I'm sorry, I signed up for LA and then I signed up for another marathon, which is largely downhill. but I was going to train to run the Boston Marathon. And mm-hmm. I started figuring out how to do that. And I had to shave over an hour off of my time at LA to be able to qualify. Mm-hmm. And I somehow did. That's insane. Yeah. Um, and I, I was telling you earlier about part of it was setting a goal that is difficult to do, but putting it in your mind the thing that it is that you want to do. Because if you think, if you set your goal short of the ultimate thing that you want to do, you are, you will only get to the thing that you really want to do by accident. So if your goal is to, you know, if you need to run a four hour marathon to, tra- to qualify for Boston, but you train or you only think that you can run a four hour and 15, you're not, you're going to, you might accidentally run a four hour marathon. Mm-hmm but you're not going to hit that goal, right. generally speaking. And if that goal for that four-hour marathon or five-hour marathon or finishing a marathon, like, like if, you set, if that's your ultimate goal, set your goal to that. If you, um, if you have a better than 50-50 chance of doing it, you'll be able to set that goal and know that you can do that in your head. Um, and it came from that uh, book that I read called Elite Minds. And I think that it has some, um, I, I've used it a little bit of business and setting kind of like, it's like that setting audacious goals or any of those things where you kind of set a goal out there, but you don't set it so far away. Like I didn't set, like, I'm going to qualify for the Olympic marathon team. I said, like, there, I, I really believed that I had an opportunity to do that. And I think I thought I could run a qualifying time for Boston and I thought that it was better than 50 50 and the book says um, that it's like a you set 60% goals and so I still have this in my head like I set 60% goals like if I have a 60% chance of getting it done then I'm going to set that as a goal if I fail I knew it was a stretch Mm -hmm. to get there but I know that I'm not going to get there if I don't set that as that Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit, but like it's, it's, 
it's something I think is important. And, and like I said, I've carried that over into things that I do for real, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not just sport. And so um, I think it, I think it can be good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Like you've had, you had some successes that were like, gave you that evidence to like, Hey, I can do these things that I've never been able to do before. Let me set this goal. That's a little out of my reach and then work towards it. I think I did that. And I think a lot of us do that without thinking. So we set, we set these goals, like I'm going to run a 5k and we pick a plan, whether it's a couch to 5k or whether we just go out and rent, you know, like make our own plan or Mm-hmm. run with friends or whatever it is that we do but we like we instinctively know that it's something that we could do yeah it's better than a 50 50 shot um it's not it's audacious but it's not unrealistic yeah and um and so we know that we can go out and do it and that alone that knowing that you can do this that is what really gets you moving um and i and i think that's really what that book said and that's what it, at least that's how I interpret it is that like it, it can be done yeah. because I believe that it can be done. Yes. And so now that belief is going to help me set up my training. Yep. That belief is going to help me complete my training. That belief is going to help me get out of bed in the morning because I know that I've got this goal that I can do. All I have to do is just make my effort towards it. Yeah. I have a quote on my, um, well, I think it's from Tony Robbins, but it's like, we live the life of who we believe we are. So if we believe we are lazy, then we'll continue to follow through with actions because we're telling ourselves over and over, I'm so lazy, I'm so lazy. So then you're like, okay, cool. I don't have to do anything because I'm lazy. But if you're like, oh, I believe I'm a runner and I can run a 5K, then your action, what you say to yourself is going to follow that. And then your actions are going to follow with that. And then you like get better at the thing because you're like practicing the thing. Like, (laughs) Like you get, and you like, then you start doing goals that you never thought you were right. Able to well, do. I mean, that's how you know I it, that it took me a book to realize that when I, I had done that at the beginning of my training yeah. the whole time, like I set this goal that was audacious, but I could do it, and I found a program to get me to that point. And as I'm going through the program, I realize that that sixty percent goal was more like an eighty percent goal. Um. Or it started out at 60 and I mean, it was a hundred percent goal because I was able to do it. Like, and so as you go through these things and that's, I, I, I moved that forward with everything that I did. Um, even though, like I had said earlier, when we were, was that this was really just something to kind of keep things at bay. Yeah. Um, I, I still like it, it still was a really, really good thing for me in my life to go through and realize this lesson that set those goals and um, plan and, and work towards this thing, this goal. And I never had been especially good at planning, whether it was a project at work, whether it was, um, you know, just, just really anything like it wasn't my forte. Um, and going through the process of having to train for an event that was this, this thing and making, I I made, I made myself publicly accountable, which was irritating to some people who were on my Facebook. (laughs) I was constantly posting that I had run, uh, done a run and all that stuff. And then I eventually changed it. And I did, I did pay for coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is where I'm, was going to get to, I was training to try to qualify for Kona because eventually I did an Ironman mm-hmm. after, after I qualified for Boston. 
um, I did a, uh, did an Ironman the first one, and then it was the same kind of thing. Like, I think I can qualify for Kona. As it turns out, that was was probably still a sixty percent goal, but I didn't get to one hundred percent on that one. Um, and um, but through that process of training for Kona, um, my coach, who now coaches an Olympic athlete, yeah. um, worked us out in a way that was using um, run-walk intervals mm-hmm. as a way to save our body because yes. there was a group of us that were all <laughs> training together that he was coaching. And we all at some point or another got hurt because we were really pushing it. Um, I was still having fun, but it was starting to wane. Um, and, uh, but so that, I think it's the Galloway method. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, the mm-hmm. Galloway method he was using. Um, and I, st- I think he uses it with um, his athlete now. Um, but it just preserves your body a little bit. It's so important. And that was, I, I had another person on the podcast, uh, Susan, a couple of months ago, and she was talking about that, like that. And I guess it's the same thing. Like when we push ourselves like so hard that there's nothing left, like, cool. Like you're going to, your running career will last a little bit and then you'll be injured and you won't be able to do it. But this idea of like saving our body and preserving our body, because it literally is like, we have to be in this for the rest of our lives. Like we have to take care of this vessel like you have to like you don't want to hurt yourself trying to do this thing that's quote healthy right. for you <laughs> like hurt yourself in the process so like I think that and I don't think I, I don't I don't blame what happened to me physically um I did two Ironmans mm-hmm. I missed qualifying for Kona by probably about a half an hour or so um and um because it's not based on your time it's based on your placement Okay. And so how fast other people do. Yeah. It's not like Boston where you have to hit a time. And sure. then as long as you're underneath that time by enough, um, not, they, they really need to reset their times. I think <laughs> they have a couple of times. It's just people are just getting faster and more and more downhill marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, um, in July of 2016, as I was preparing to run Ironman Wisconsin, which was going to be my like really big push to qualify for Kona after missing it the year before at Arizona. Um, I made the decision or no, I didn't make the decision. The decision was made for me. Um, One day I woke up after a 90 mile bike ride and a four mile run the day before I woke up in the morning. I'm like, my back kind of hurts, you know, just like stiff back. I'm not young. Um, You know, getting up there and, things, you know, as you train a lot, you just, you just soar all the time. So I didn't think much of it. I thought oh, it's really, it's bothering me enough that I'm going to call because I was supposed to do a 20 mile run that morning. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I should show you my training logs are ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous. Again, was, was a lot of fun. I would have I mean, a 90 mile bike ride in 90, 90 degree heat was still fun. Mm-hmm. I was doing it with friends and, mm-hmm. and, it was a lot of work, but there was still a lot of fun. Um, and I, uh, I woke up and my back twingy go, I'm like, I'm going to go to the chiropractor. Cause I think there's, I think it's just, I just need to get adjusted and I don't go to the chiropractor all that often. So I went, I got adjusted. Like now I can't walk. And I'm like, maybe I just need a massage. 
So I go and I get out of my car and I'm going to walk into this uh, massage envy and it's about uh, 30 feet to the door for my parking spot. And I open the door and I get out and I kind of go to the ground. I'm like, oh, that really, that really hurts. So I stand back up and I try to make it and I make it to like a planter bed um, bench that's about halfway there. And I just, I can't go another step. I'm like, I'm, am I stuck here? Is this, is this my life now? Am I going to be just sitting at this planter bed? Um, and uh, I had intense pain on my left leg. Um, my left foot wasn't quite working. And I just, I turned around and got myself back in the car. I was wondering what they were thinking sitting because there was a clear glass and I could see the people at the reception desk, like looking at me, struggling to get out of my car. I got back in my car and I sat there for 20 minutes, just wondering what is that, what was I going to do? It was, the pain was intense. Um, and so I drove home and I crawled out of my car and collapsed in the living room of my house. And, um, my kids were home and they were wondering what was going on with me. And as it turns out, um, which I would find out after an MRI, I had a ruptured disc, uh, L4, L5. I had a slight drop foot in my left foot and I had intense pain running down from, from my sciatic all the way down to my toes. Um, and I spent about 36 hours, uh, maybe less, just in intense agony pain, you know, like, to the point where it's like, if this is the rest of my life, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And there were thoughts of suicide. I mean, it was really, really intense pain. I had never been through anything like this before in my life. Um, and I, I just, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about the race I had coming up. I was thinking about like, what, what is happening to me? What is, what is, what is wrong? What, and I eventually went to some pain doctors and I went to a regular doctor. I mean, I got to the point where I was able to like manage with it and I had plenty of Vicodin for a while and, uh, which is awful. And um, I canceled, like I tried to do some running too afterwards and I, my foot just wouldn't allow it. I mean, I, I couldn't use my foot. Um, and so I had to scrub six weeks before Ironman, um, Wisconsin, I had to scrub it all. And, which was painful. Um, and, but the, the reality of it is that my body had said, you got some stuff you need to take care of. And I had been dealing with since January of that year, of 2016, I've been dealing with something that had come back up that I had been managed to keep a lid on since forever. Um, uh, and whether it was with having a family um, whether it was with having family, but also being a little bit of a drunk or my endurance athletics, um, all of those things were something trying to, um, keep me from having to deal with the real issue, which was my gender identity. So, um, you know, like it's cliche or, you know, supernatural kind of things to think that your body gives you these signals, but it's really for real. And that, you know, maybe that's not what it was. Maybe I, it was just time for my, my disc to rupture because it was damaged. I mean, it's, it's half the size of what it's supposed to be. I don't know if it's because of the rupture that shot all the whatever stuff is inside a disc into my nerve bundle. 
Um, but it was something that like I needed to stop. And I didn't know how to do that myself. So my body figured out a way to do that for me. I had a personal trainer, Corin, on the podcast, and she would say, like, your body gives you signals, your body, and it's whis- like it starts out just whisper, hey, hey, there's this thing, there's this thing. And if you ignore it, it just keeps getting louder and louder and louder and to the point that you can't ignore it anymore and you have to do something. And so your body was like, Hey, I know that you keep overtraining us with this, these things and like trying to accomplish these things, but there's this whole other thing happening yeah. that you keep trying to ignore, but it's there. So it was weird because I didn't, I I'd done a really good job of keeping the, the whole gender thing out of my front of mind. Yeah. Um, and although it was starting to become more prevalent in the news, um, some friends of mine uh, who I played in a beer league hockey team together with, because um, I did that as part of my drinking part of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once I started doing the endurance athletics, I, I stopped doing it because I caught a puck in the, in the neck. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I caught a puck in the neck and I was like, I'm not going to do this because like, I'm training for Ironman. I'm not going to get a um, get hit with a hockey stick or something and, and not be able to do a big event because of beer league hockey. Um, but they're big fans of against me. Um, and the lead singer of against me, Laura Jane Grace. Um, and I believe 2012 came out. Um, uh, and there was talk of that. And then Caitlyn Jenner, um, and I actually talked about it in the, uh, I was interviewed for a piece that just, was yesterday in Teen Vogue online. Um, just a little. It, it's like a. There's a whole bunch of people in it. I downplay my. Yeah, I was like, gonna say. No, but there's. A, it's, it's me and. It's okay. Know, it seems on. like a hundred other people. Um, Still pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and that. Um, so the, those were the first. You know, th- those were in my head somewhere. Yeah. But. Just something happened. Um, in January of that year and I couldn't put it back down. So I started going to therapy in January of that year and I was really having to struggle dealing with that. And, um, and going to therapy really helped because I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was able to talk to anybody about it. I mean, now I can't, I hope I'm not like that person, <laughs> No, you know, like, but I can't stop talking about it. It's coincidental that we're recording this on, on the day after the transgender day of visibility too. Um, which I was visible just out in public, not at any of the events. Um, but it just, I just couldn't, I couldn't put it back down. Therapy was helping, but I still was trying to cover some of that up. I was trying to like live two existences um, in a way. I mean, like I wasn't, I was still really struggling with it. And, and it was months before I really was able, it was years before I was really able to say, this is who I am, because I, I kept trying to assign what being trans was into something that it's not. And it's not, it wasn't for me, it wasn't some sort of like perversion. It wasn't a fetish. It wasn't um, that I'm um, quote unquote crazy. I was trying to make it one of those things because that's easier to deal with at least from my perspective at that time, it's easier to deal with that than it is the reality of who I am and, um, and what it's going to do, what it would do to me um, and to 
my life if I was to, to embrace who I am. And um, so, you know, luckily for me, in a way, training took a backseat. September of that of 2016, I had back surgery, which relieved all the pain. Um, and I still have a slight drop foot, but I'm not bad enough to not do a couple of things um, in, the, in the last year and a half or so. Um, and, uh, and it afforded me some time to really deal with it. Um, it was hard though. I was, I had a, uh, a partner and um, I knew that revealing this would be difficult for me. Um, so I was really, really undercover. Um, but at least I didn't have two things going at the same time. I started training again though. Um, so I had back surgery in September and I was training to do the next 2017. I was supposed to do an ultra marathon in June as training to do trans Rockies, um, trans Rockies run, which is an amazing event. Um, and anybody can complete it. Mm -hmm. Even though it's a six day, 120 mile event oh. across the Rocky mountains, <laughs> I, believe that anybody can do that mm -hmm. um it would take training but you don't have to run it like i walked mm -hmm. a lot of it anything that was mildly uphill i walked mm -hmm. but anyway um and i have some really good friends that came out of that event but um but i was supposed to do that 2017 uh, i ran the ultra marathon running is is not correct I, I i did a lot of walking barely made the first cutoff it was way too soon to be training after an injury um i was not ready for it um it was not an enjoyable experience um i canceled going to trans rockies shortly after that um after i i just i don't think my heart was in it i don't think that you know, there's a lot of factors i was supposed to do it with someone um and i really disappointed my teammate on that and I really feel bad to this day about that. Um, I probably shouldn't have signed up for it knowing all the stuff that I had going on with me in my life. And, and that's that thing that I said at the beginning, the fun thing. Like I, I, I kind of ceased having fun when I was having to deal with this. And, um, and so, but that, brought me into running life number four. I mean, that was the end of my third life. I mean, my third life uh, in running started out as fun and, and mildly competitive with myself. And then it started to become really competitive and a little bit less fun, but still fun. And then my back and my life got turned around. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I, it's not a super neat, it doesn't fit in a, a narrative storyline or anything, but like, things just kind of fell apart. And so I'm at that point where I'm putting them back together and doing running for fun. And like last summer I did, I, I was able to push off the Trans Rockies run until the, the following summer, which was 2018, in which I did that. And at that point um, I had, um, in June of the year of that year, instead of running an ultra marathon like I had done the previous June, I came out and I lost my job 
by my own hand. I, I quit my job. I came out. I worked for a family. Or I worked for a family business, and I worked for my. I was working for my dad, and um, and I didn't feel like I had a pathway to be able to do to come out as myself. Um, I didn't think that the there was a way for that to be done in that company. I didn't feel like um, I felt like it would be hard for me to be a, in a leadership position there and be myself. And so I quit first. And then a week later, I come out anyways. So, and, and I was worried about getting fired when I came out. And, and I don't think that that would have happened. Um, uh, but I just, I just couldn't fathom how that, that was all going to work in my head. It just didn't compute. And, um, uh, and so, and then that August, I, I had a lot of time to train mm -hmm. that, that summer, luckily. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I didn't start training for that until March to go do that run, mm -hmm. which is why I say, <laughs> you know, like I get that I have a couple years of endurance athletic training. And I think that the only thing that I brought to that, to that race was the mental mindset that I can do this thing. Um, because I had the prior August, I had um, talked to my partner about um, who I am and we split up and I started transition at that point. Mm -hmm. um, so I was basically a year on hormones. Um, as I'm training, I'm going through this whole change in my life and I still managed to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And the training was hard, but I don't, I don't think I ran more than like 14 miles. Mm -hmm. And I went and ran 120 miles. I, mean, I, I was looking at my, my months, you know, my training months on Strava. And I was like, I think my highest mileage month was 130 mm -hmm. maybe. And I ran 120 miles in a week. So like, you know, I know that those are big audacious numbers, but like, if you look at them in just these, in that manner, yeah, they are, but it, I don't know. I really thought that I wasn't going to finish. Yeah. And I did every day. So I don't know, like I want, I want to be encouraging people to, to take on this kind of thing. And it is an amazing experience. Um, and my goal was initially to just, finish this final stage because then I could at least get, I think you get the t-shirt. Like if you <laughs> like gotta get that t-shirt. Yeah. Well, they have a t-shirt and a medal. And if you finish all the days, you get one of them. And if you finish mm -hmm. the final day, you get the other one. And maybe it's just, maybe it's the medal for the final day. I don't know. I don't remember that, but they call it running camp for big kids. You know, every night there's a, there's a tent village they set up and they move the tent village because it's point to point and they move the tent village and there's a, um, there's free beer mm -hmm. and there's food and there's snacks and mm -hmm. there's charging stations and there's massage and there's, you know, they'll do taping. And I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing event. And I have a couple of really, really um, inspirational folks that um, I met there. Um, Myrna Valerio is one of the ones and it was really big for her to finish all the stages this last year because mm -hmm. she had done it the prior year mm -hmm. and finished two of the six stages. And I don't know if you know who she is, the Mernovator, mm -hmm. awesome human being. Mm -hmm. um, just like everybody came together to help her finish every day. And um, I'm just, I'm like, 
honored to have her as a friend of mine. And then, but she's not the only one. There were several other, so many stories that, that week. Um, I was one of them, but I was only one of them. Um, and it was just, it was just this amazing event where a lot of people come together and because you're in a tent village with these 250 people for, for a week. You learn their whole life stories. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things that is, is, uh, is amazing. So I, I really, I grew a lot that week. Yeah. So life one and life two were all about fun. Life three was kind of overdoing it. Your body being like, Hey, <laughs> there's this thing. And then life four is like, it's fun again. Yeah. And, and I think my goal was going training for that and going into that and going in and coloring anything that I do now is that I, I want to be a runner for the rest of my life. I want to be a lifelong runner. And for me, that means I need to make sure that if I'm training, that I still make sure that there is an aspect of it that is enjoyable, fun, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I do think that I don't, for me personally, and this is my story only, is that um, for me, fun involves a little bit of competition. Like sure. I, I want to, to set some goals that are competitive, like my four and a half hour Chicago marathon. Um, and um, so I, I really am looking forward to try to figure out i don't have any races scheduled this year um i'm going to do something with proud to run um here in uh chicago they have a half K, they have a half marathon 10k and 5k i was thinking about the half marathon but the training hasn't gone super great with the move um and so i haven't figured out what i'm going to do but like fun yeah just go out there support good organizations like proud to run um, this last year, I raised money for the Danny Did Foundation, which is a foundation here in Chicago for the Chicago Marathon that I did. I was on that team. Um, they raised money for awareness for epilepsy, but also grants um, for people to get monitoring, seizure monitoring devices if their families um, either can't afford them or don't have access, um, some other reasons so that they help um, help people live a life that um, I know because my son, my oldest has epilepsy and knowing that you could have a seizure at any moment and what that, that kind of fear of that life um, yeah. entails is, is hard. So I'm um, just giving some families peace of mind. So, yeah, I do like that about running that it kind of, it like brings people together. It's that sense of community and then you have the opportunity to do good things for people. And then just being able to hear people's stories. I remember when I first started training in Atlanta, I went for a long run with people. Like it was the first time I met them. And like, you just hear everything. You just learn so much. Like you learn more about people that you run with than sometimes you're like best friends. Like you'll just tell them everything. That That is absolutely <laughs> true because you get out there and there's like, what are you going to talk about? Well, you're, yeah. you're not going to talk about running while you're running. That's yeah. the good thing about runners is that, you know, we'll talk about running all the time go running with us. We won't talk about running. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the, this is my, it's my fourth running life and I'm um, excited to run for fun for the rest of my life. And this mm -hmm. to be my final running life, Ooh. you know, like, cause I, I, I'm settled finally. Like I, you know, there, 
life's not perfect and, and things get messy. Yes. But I think in general, um, I, I'm. Are you at peace? Do you feel like you're yeah, at peace? Yeah, I really do. Um, like I said, you know, I'm more at peace than I have been. Yeah, life is messy, imperfect. Like, and I say that all the time, like our food, our life is imperfect. Our food can be, like everything can be imperfect. And we have to accept that because like that literally, that is just life. Like yeah. it is imperfect and messy. And if you don't accept that, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Right. But like we can be at peace with like, okay, cool. Like, or he, here's who I am. And now here's this thing I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny, you know, like we've got all these adjectives that, help define us, um, runner, uh, you know, like some people take on their, their diet as one of their adjectives, you know, I'm right-handed, uh, you mm-hmm. know, endurance athlete, um, trans, mm-hmm. uh, queer, I'm, uh, tall, you know, I've got brown, like all these different attributes that we assign to ourselves. And so, um, I have no idea what I was going to say, but, but, you know, that, that's, that's just things that we are. And so like, we just take all these, this collection of these things and not all of them are perfectly aligned all yeah. the time. And not, you know, we're not, I'm, I'm a parent. I'm not always the best parent. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, like I said about my plant-based diet or vegan diet, or, you know, like I'm, I'm not always the best at that. Um, and rather than hide that, because I, I do know that there are some vegans that are vegans and they cheat and they hide it. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather be upfront about the fact that I have had on occasion something that's not vegan. Mm-hmm. And, and I've known that and I've had it snuck, but like I've, I've known that and I have to be okay with it because if I just get mad at myself, I'm going to quit. Mm. Right. Like, I like that. Yeah. The whole like getting mad at ourselves, like, I don't know. And then that takes away the fun and we like, we're on this planet one time. That's it. Yeah. One time. Um, I like that a lot. Cause then there were times, especially last year, I didn't train for it. I ran some fun races last year, but I was like, Oh cool. I made this running podcast and now I'm not even training for anything. Like who, like, what am I doing? But it was like, no Jacqueline, like, running is a part of you. And that was my goal for this podcast was like, I want to talk to runners, but I don't want to talk about like, here's how to get your best, you know, half marathon time. Like that's not the type of runner I am. Running has always been like a hobby and something that's a part of me, but it is not the only adjective for me. That's like, that's not who I am. I I can name 25 different things. I I I used to, I used to have a little bit of that, you know, like running by the numbers, all these numbers, all these numbers. numbers. your, I mean, I had the measuring devices and I'd wear the watch all the time. And I would, you know, it was all about all these different numbers that I had to hit. And that's when it started becoming, I mean, I was still having fun because it was kind of fun with the numbers too, sure. like a little bit until it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that, those numbers were, we, that fun run group that I, that I, um, that I went to and, and I, that's, that's like my biggest sad of living, leaving Cal. Well, not my biggest sad of leaving California. My kids are, but, mm-hmm. um, um, but that, that group, the, the leader of that group is this wonderful, wonderful woman. And she, she would kind of mock us in a, in a, in a nice way uh, about 
um, the numbers and the num she would just say, what is that? You know, like, because there's all these acronyms with all these numbers and, and she would just make up a number and, and an acronym. And, and it was, I think, I think eventually that kind of made me realize, like, you know, like it's important sometimes to keep track of that kind of stuff for progress, but also like, don't live with that. Don't, don't live by those numbers because they can lie too. You know, you can be feeling great and have your numbers not hitting. And then you can be feeling miserable and you're right on your numbers. And like at a certain point, your body's going to tell you what you need to do. And those numbers are just some sort of indicator. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Your body is going to tell you like the numbers. And I, I don't know how many times I have this conversation with people like about the number on the scale or tracking calories. Like those are tools, but eventually your body is going to tell you. And oh, it's yeah. the like when you get more in tune with your body. And again, like those tools can help you. They can push you a little bit, but those tools aren't going to be with you when you're 80 years old. Hopefully not. Like hopefully you're not, like not living by those tools for the rest of your life, no, but no. your body, you are going to be in your body for the rest of your life. Getting in tune with that. It takes longer. Listening, it's harder. Listening to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we don't and yeah <laughs> we break our back <laughs> but yeah it's um it is definitely um very important to listen to what your body's telling you to do and or what your body is telling you as feedback um you know and if you want to use that in conjunction with your numbers you know that's a great thing too like i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't do this because a lot of people do get enjoyment out of following that and that's that's their happy and, mm -hmm. and and like I said it was a little bit for me until it wasn't for me and um and it was you know I, I had other friends that it was it became drudgery and so you stopped doing it um and I don't want to stop doing it so I'm going to pay attention to the numbers but not all the time mm -hmm. and you know like having a foot that doesn't always work right and that was the challenge for me to go run across the Rocky Mountains like am I going to trip and fall and I did twice on the same day but it was day five like I figured I was going to fall way before that and uh, and one of them was on totally flat ground um and actually neither of them were because of my foot um but it, it's it slows me down so my numbers are all off like I and and being on hormone replacement therapy changes all my numbers and I know that there's actually a really really big and I don't know how much time we have left but I don't I, I do want to say that there's a huge thing going on right now with trans athletes and the thought that a we're coming for everybody's medals and b that it's not fair um I know that for myself um although I do have an injury is that I know that I, even without injury, I could not be anywhere near where I was at before. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe it's just because running is something that, you know, like I'm six foot tall and, and, um, and I don't necessarily have a petite frame mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's not, it makes it harder to run because my muscle density, my muscle mass is much lower than it was 
before I started taking hormones. And um, I don't feel like I have the same abilities that I did before. And um, I mean, I went from looking at my workouts that were eight minute miles and they're 11 and a half now. And I think that the best I could do is probably a nine minute mile right now. And I would be suffering. Mm -hmm. And um, so like, I, I don't, I mean, I certainly didn't transition to get all them medals. Yeah. No. yeah. I mean, I did it to save my life. Yeah. I mean, like, because it was, you know, I we kind of glossed over this whole thing, but like that was a life and death, life or death decision for me mm -hmm. because I was not in a very good place mentally. And in a way, being able to do the running at the time of my not the first coming out to my partner and some, and a small group of friends, but like my larger group of friends in uh, well, my workplace in June and then a larger group of friends in August and then the world at the end of August. Um, it was, uh, it, it, it was the thing that kind of kept me going. Um, little running community here yeah. in the city um, whether it's here in Logan Square with a three run two group or the group that I also run with the front runners um, that operate more on the lakeshore. Um, having those running friendships um, helped keep me going. Um, you know, trying to find a job, this, this second shift, the co-working space. I mean, like it was all those little things that helped me keep going with my life and um and make the good the good but hard decisions to um to stay alive um to keep running as a way to hold on to some of that joy that i had from running um and as a way to be able to slow myself down or to not retreat into a hole like it you know like I was, I spent, I think, three weeks in my apartment basically alone after I quit my job, just spiraling. And that's why I ended up in second shift is because I had to stop that spiral. I had to find a job. Yeah. I had to do something. I had to get out of my funk. And, um, and, you know, I wasn't, my training wasn't great at that time. Like I would, I had to come up to my coach too. Like I, I had a lot of, a lot of things that I had to deal with. And, being able to know that I could, although it was still, like I still felt weird about how I looked and all those things, but I knew I could put on my running clothes and I could go out and I could get a couple miles in and just like detach from all of that else. And, and I don't run with, generally don't run with headphones. I like run and I like to hear the world. Um, and, uh, and so, I was able to start, I think that's when I started running with the three run, three run two group, um, just to be able to have some other people out there in the world that um, I could possibly connect with and, and find some friendships. And I did, and I, it was in the front runner group, I have some really good friends there. And uh, they were, it was instrumental to me to be able to attach these, these groups of people with me to help carry me through keep it fun 
um, and remain a social creature that I am, mm -hmm. um, I draw that energy and I, and I, and, and I did that through running um, as part of that process to, you know, when I was working before I came out and I was working in this, I wasn't working in the city, I was living in the city and I was commuting an hour each way. And so that was also isolating. I commute an hour each way. I work a full day. I would commute an hour each way. And I was trying to fit in all this run training. Mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't have time to connect with other people. Mm -hmm. So in a way, being able to work, well, not really working, um, it enabled me to, to very quickly establish a life and a, a social group and a group of people that I, that I uh, cared about. And, mm -hmm. and so... It kept me alive. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I don't know what it would have done, what I would have done had I not had that goal to do that, yeah. to do that event and, and had the, um, the, the program, the train. I mean, I know that I wasn't the best, wasn't the best um, athlete for my coach, but, um, Actually, you know, talking to him, through, we talked through emails. Um, I read through some of the emails now. And I'm just like, just so, he, he was, he's such a good coach. Um, and the, the grace that he showed me um, in the way that he coached me and how he i didn't i didn't think i was capable of being treated like a human being and the fact that he did the fact that my friends at front runners did the three run two group that i that i see that i run with here treated me like human beings everybody here at um second shift I tried really hard not to say anything that was going to make me cry. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm just amazed. I didn't, I think that's what caused me to struggle for a couple years after realizing who I am is that I figured that I was going to be disregarded as a human being because I, I read that stuff, you know, like you read the nasty comments when someone who's trans has something to say in the media. And I mean, like, I know internet don't read the comments, <laughs> but also can't help myself but read the comments and um, I just, you know, their, their visibility out there in the world um, has, has helped me decide that I am okay with being visible out in the world as to who I am, whether that person is an endurance athlete or a plant-based endurance athlete or a trans queer endurance athlete or just you know 
Patty, you know, who I am, right? And, and so um, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know how I would have done it. I mean, everything happened. And the other thing too, though, it's totally like break off this crying thing because I, I can't do it. Um, transitions kind of like getting ready to run a race, except there's not really a race at the end. Um, it's like lifetime of being who you are. And there's no switch. You don't flip a switch. I could, I have lots of pictures of myself thinking, like a lot of pictures that I took that I'm like, I'm never, this picture is never gonna see daylight because I just look at myself and cringe. And, um, and I, I don't see myself in a lot of the pictures and I don't see myself, but I see myself growing. And when you, when you decide, hey, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna do a triathlon, and you do a you pick out a training plan. You have a pretty finite set of things you're going to do over this period of time, and um, and so through that process of learning how to do these events, these big events, or even a 5K for that matter, with a training plan, as you learn planning, and that's not something that I naturally am very good at doing. And so, like being able to do this thing where I, for a couple of years, did nothing but long-term planning. Well, this is long-term. This is the rest of my life, right? And so the only problem is, is that there's not really a well-defined set of things to do. I mean, there are some general things that I'm going through that are, it's my trip through this all. Um, and like my, I have to say this because I, I want to make sure I say this all the time, like my experience as as regards to anything whether it's endurance athletics or being trans um it's mine only it doesn't mean that somebody's going to have the same experience that i have um, because factors are different person is different all of these different factors this is my my story and my story only um that said there are a lot of common threads that you can kind of follow and but like if i had not had the experience of having to set these goals and having a long run up to train for them, then I don't think I would be able to do, to transition like the way I'm doing, to be the patient person mm -hmm. that I am with this. Um, mm -hmm. And to be able to navigate this as smoothly as I can possibly navigate it. So um, it's, you know, they say things happen for a reason. And I look back and I'm like, all of these things made it, made me who I am and made it possible for me to do this in the way that I can do it in the way that I'm doing it right now. Because I'm not, I know that there's no magic pill. There's no, there's no sw a switch to get flipped. It, this takes time. And just like training for something, it's taking time to get myself to the point where I finally feel a little bit more comfortable with myself. I feel comfortable being visible. And, and like I said, yesterday was trans day of visibility. And I think it's important for myself who I feel like generally either through courtesy or otherwise gets a pass. The word passing is a problem, but like 
I get a pass by people um, that uh, that don't know that I'm trans. They they look at me and they just see a tall woman, um, which I'm grateful for. Um, but there are plenty of folks out there who don't, and um, and visibility is difficult for them. So that's why I don't hesitate to tell people. I mean, like after I tell them that I'm vegan or that I'm a runner, <laughs> like all the other things that people like. Do you really like? Do you need to talk about this all the time? Like, I've got a couple of things I could talk about all the time. But which one would you like? <laughs> But I, I think it's important for me to be out. Um, it's tiring, yeah. but, but I also realize that for some folks, it, it's really hard for them to do. And so the more opportunities that people who don't have experience dealing with someone who's trans get to see us as human yes. and see our humanity and realize that we're just trying to navigate life just like anybody else. Be alive be human yeah. exists. Yeah. And so, and, and hopefully they'll afford those other folks who don't pass quote unquote pass, who don't feel comfortable with themselves necessarily, who are, you know, just a, a, a different and to realize that they're human. Yeah. And I actually, I think I started that feeling that way as a runner, mm-hmm. as I started going and progressing through running is that I turned from a cynical person who would be cynical about someone who was not in shape running, right? And being judgmental. Not, I didn't, I would never yell at anybody, but like in my head, I was judgmental about that person. Like, oh, how could they do it? And as I go along, then I became more of an encouraging person mm. and more of a person like, you can do this. Yeah. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't, like, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your physical condition, you know, your healthy appearance isn't always healthy. You know, I strove to be a certain weight to do these triathlons. And I really realized now it probably wasn't a very healthy weight. Mm-hmm. Like I, the joke was that if you, if you have people ask you if you're sick, that you're at race weight. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and you, you're pushing that line yeah. where it's not healthy anymore. Um, but I think as I got closer to doing that, I started being more, I started being someone who was less of a cynic and more of a person who would be encouraging and having people like my friend who came over, um, to help me train. I took that as something that I needed to do. And I carry that through in life a little bit now too. It's like, you have mentors that help bring you places. Yeah. And then in turn, you can become a mentor to someone else. Yeah. And, and so like, those are, those are important things, I think, to, to be able to realize that we all have the ability to help others while we're still being helped by others and, and to help us all walk through these different things that we do, these different, I don't want to say it, the J word journeys, <laughs> but these different paths that we take, these different things that we do and in these different, um, uh, all, all these different ways that we go through life and all these different adjectives that we add to ourselves. So, yeah. 
I love that. Thank you so much. And I, I think that's, it's so powerful in seeing how I say this a lot with my coaching clients, like we can't move from A to Z. We have to move from A to B. And sometimes I think that means too, just the way you were talking about being visible by you being visible, that helps other people move from A to B because they're not, they're also not going to move from A to Z. And unfortunately changes slow for all of us, but being visible and telling your story and having, letting people know about you helps other people that may have never had an experience or just don't understand move from A to B in like their understanding of other people as yeah. well. So yeah, thank you for absolutely. that. Yeah. All right. Well, this is so wonderful having you on the podcast today. I really appreciate yeah, you Sorry for rambling. No, I'm so glad that we got to hear so much of your story and just hear how, you know, Ronnie really like wove in and out and helped you be who you are. Thank you. Thank you. I've been chatting with a lot of you about starting this spring without doing a diet, um, which is really hard because I know that you're seeing a ton of things to get bikini body ready. Um, I get it. I feel that pressure at times too. And then I remind myself, hey, um, that's never worked out in the past. Um, it's never worked in the long term, I should say, because those things do work if you can stick with it in the short term, but ultimately um, they lead to burnout. They lead to like a, a hate of exercise. They lead to fear around food. And so I really want to help you create like a long-term plan for yourself, a long-term nutrition plan. Um, you might look at your past dieting lives and you might see a life one, a life two, a life three, um, where things were restrictive and binging and just not fun. I really want to help you start your life four where you're learning to eat for your body and it's fun and enjoyable. Um, I know a lot of you are really interested in perfect eating, but also totally scared, which I totally get like, oh my gosh, no, Jacqueline, if I stop dieting. I will just eat everything in sight. Like if I stop tracking on my phone, you know, I'm going to get on this weight. I'm just going to, everything is going to go to crap. And I get it. Um, it makes sense because if the only worlds we know are being on a diet or binge eating everything in sight, this place in the middle, it's unexplored, it's unknown, it's scary for those reasons. So I really want to make this super easy for you to dip your toes into it. It's kind of a no-brainer. You can get my Intro to Imperfect Eating course. Uh, it's a three-week starter course for 20 bucks. And if you purchase this week, I am going to throw in an additional coaching call. Usually there is just video and forum format, but there is posit, uh, there is power in individual individualization. You know, you telling me specifically what is going on in your life, because I know that your life is different than mine. You might have kids, you might have a busier work schedule, you might have food sensitivities that you're like, well, how do I navigate around this? Right. And so it, with the coaching call, we're going to um, make this successful for you because your body is different than mine. And so I want to share some of the, ex the um, successes that people have had with imperfect eating. So uh, this is a client. She says, if I wanted, if I want to change my results, I have to change my mindset around popcorn. I have to give myself permission to eat it. I've never made it okay to eat it, which is huge because it's like, we've told ourselves in the past, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. It's terrible for your health. And we kind of end up eating it, right? So this unexplored world of like, what if I told myself I am actually allowed to eat it? What does that look like, right? And so we kind of approach things with curiosity. What's that like? Huh, what's that like? I don't know how many times a day I ask myself that question. Huh, what's that like? I see that person doing that thing over there. Their life is turning out like that. What's that like? Just approaching it with curiosity. Um, another client 
uh, messaged me. She said, leaving Cabo in a few hours, having had fun and kept my sanity. The huge excitement was I could go on vacation while listening to my body. I could enjoy food, drink, and fun and not gain 10 pounds. Literally the first vacation I didn't gain weight and truly the first vacation I enjoy food without panic. And, you know, I know you have some vacations coming up, whether it is spring break or summer vacations, or I don't know the rest of your life when you're going to be traveling and wanting to be around food. And I know that you're spending a shit ton of money on those things, right? You're investing a lot of money to go on these trips and have these experiences. And I want to help you actually enjoy them. What's that like? What's that like to go on a cruise and actually eat the foods that I enjoy and not come home, come home and feel like I have to um, do a diet. Sometimes um, we overindulge on a trip because we know we're going to come home and do a juice cleanse. We're going to restrict. So there's kind of these weird worlds of like restriction and binging, but it's like, what if we just ate normal all the time? And normal does not mean only eating kale. Normal means listening to our body. And well, how do I have, how do I have chocolate? Like, how do I have pizza? How do I have popcorn and feel good about this decision afterwards? So again, 20 bucks, super easy, super low risk. Um, I know that investing in a one-on-one coach can be super scary because you're like, well, what, you know, like, what if I don't actually do the work? Um, so I want to help you do the work and help you see these successes. The link is in the show notes and I can't wait to get started with you. All right, guys, take care.